Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, and I'm here with Caleb Jenks. And tonight is Sunday, April 18th, and we are going to be talking about how to read your Bible. So I'm going to tell you why we're doing this. Number one, we put up a post on our Facebook page asking people to write in and tell us topics that they would like us to talk about. Guess how many suggestions we got? Go ahead, Caleb. Guess. What was it? One? We got one. So, Louis Bradshaw, congratulations. We are talking about your number one suggestion. How to read your Bible, ways to read your Bible, habits when studying your Bible. So we're going to talk about that tonight. And to be honest with you, I was talking to Caleb about this just a day or two ago where I ran into a fella, and I guess he's watched our podcast on a couple of different groups that I've shared this with. And uh, he stopped me and he said, hey, uh, you do that uh, you know, video, that Bible thumper thing, and I've seen it a few times, and that's great. And so it was real nice to run into a fan, you know, especially since we have all of a dozen of them spread across the world. And we started talking Bible, and we were having a nice time. And one of the things he asked me was, hey, a friend of mine just gave me a Bible, and how do you read this thing? Do you just start at the beginning and read all the way through? Or, you know, what's what's the way you want to do it? And the question makes sense because it's a big book. And it's not just a big book, it's an intimidating book because there are a lot of us that have really never been taught how to read the Bible. And let's face it, there aren't too many of us that pick up books that are 2,000 pages and decide to just jump in and give it a go. And this is different because the Bible is, it's unique. I was going to say special, and don't get me wrong, it is special, but it's unique in that the Bible was written, it is made up of 66 books. There are dozens of authors, they span thousands of years of Earth's history, and they were written in multiple languages and cultures and different parts of the world in, you know, in, in various countries. So... The neat thing about the Bible and what makes it so special is that obviously we believe that God wrote the book. We don't believe that it was a bunch of guys that wrote out a book and just happened to get lucky with how it all fits together. We believe that God wrote the book and he put it together. And I'm going to go ahead and just say he did it seamlessly. I mean, it is amazing the way that the book was written and how it fits together. And because of that, if you just pick up the book and you turn to the wrong, so I'm going to use the word book way too much in this podcast, I guarantee it, because the Bible's a book and it's made up of 66 books. So if you pick up the Bible and you turn to the wrong book and you just start reading you're not going to know what on earth is going on because you're not going to have any context and you're going to be reading about people and characters in the Bible, names of people and stories that are going on, and it might not make any sense to you. So because of that, we wanted to get this podcast going and we wanted to just 
kind of explain to everyone, this is how we've read the Bible. This is how we've studied the Bible. This is what we're going to suggest. So maybe if you enjoy this podcast, you can share it with a friend of yours that's a little newer to Christianity, and they can get a little bit of instruction, and maybe they won't be so intimidated or overwhelmed by this big black leather-bound book. Now, before we get into the how and why, or at least the how, I wanted to go over an idea, and then, Caleb, I want to hear your thoughts on it, because I don't hear this idea taught a whole lot or preached on a whole bunch, and I think it needs to be. I think this idea needs to be adopted by just every Christian in the world and understood and taught to people, and I think it would clear up a lot of issues. So I'm going to start in the book of Matthew, in the very last chapter, in the very last two verses. That's Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Now here we have Jesus. He has already been crucified. He rose from the dead. He hung out on earth for about 40 days, and then he ascends up into heaven. And after this starts the book of Acts, the fifth book in the New Testament. So if you're reading through the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books are the same story, the life of Jesus, taught by four different guys. And then the fifth book in the New Testament is the book of Acts, and that is chronological. So you could read any of the four Gospels and then read the book of Acts, and it just picks up the story right where the Gospels left off. So in the book of Matthew, right before Jesus is about to ascend into heaven and be gone, he says, so this is the very last thing, you know, Jesus says while he's here on earth, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So Jesus explains three things, and this is important for us to understand. And Caleb, I'm going to say something that I don't hear said enough. Those three things are in order, and they are in order for a reason. So the three things Jesus tells us is, number one, you're going to go, therefore, and teach all nations. So you're going to go out, and you're going to teach every everyone you come to. Now, what are we supposed to go throughout the world and teach, Caleb? The gospel yeah. of Jesus. We're supposed to teach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that they're sinners and they need a Savior, and Jesus is God who has come to take away the sins of the world. We're supposed to give them the gospel and get saved. Would you agree that's what Jesus meant there? Okay. Then, number two, right after they hear the gospel and get saved, then what are they supposed to do? What does Jesus say to do right after that? To baptize them. So number one, you get saved. Number two, you get baptized. Then he says, teaching them who? The people that just got saved and baptized. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So Caleb, how do you sum up everything that the Lord commanded of us? Where do we find that? 
that's interesting. It depends on if we're if we're t talking about polytheism or monotheism. Yeah, we're not going to go down that rabbit trail. But let's say, would you agree but that? Obviously, go ahead. Well, obviously, we got we have Jesus's words, right? Obviously, but Jesus also says, if you look in First John, he says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God." And so, it, if you have one God, you have a lot in the Old Testament as well that takes mm -hmm. takes a lot to you know crack open the box and realize realize what all he's commanded us. So I would say Old and New Testament alike. I agree. You got the Bible from cover to cover. So Jesus says, number one, get saved. Number two, get baptized. Number three, teach them everything I taught you. And where do we find that? We find it in the Bible from cover to cover. So what we find in a lot of churches, what we find in Christianity all over the place is people come and show up at the home study, the uh, the Bible study on campus, the the church or the midweek service or whatever it is, and they get there and people want to get a Bible in their hands and get them reading that Bible, right? Let's get this person all the equipment they need. So they need a Bible right. and we want them to start learning it. But there's a problem. If they're not saved and baptized, they're doing this thing out of order. Now, Caleb, how long does salvation take for someone to explain it to you and for you to understand it and 30, receive the, the Lord? 30 seconds, a minute. Yeah. I mean, it minutes, doesn't, right? yeah, it doesn't have to, it can, who's telling it to you. Okay. So you got between a couple minutes and 10 minutes, but it, it doesn't have, it's not a long process. And the actual act of getting saved is, is, you know, can be two to 20 seconds. I mean, you're, you know, you're putting your faith in the Lord Jesus, you're calling on uh, the name of the Lord, and you're receiving him as your savior. It's not, you don't have to pass a test and do a, a practical exam and, you know, have a board of directors, you know, approve the decision you made. Okay. It's they did away with the three, they did away with a three day waiting period after the resurrection. So, so it's, yeah, it, 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 that, it, the, the long waiting period is over now. Yep, it's already let's, been taken care of. Let's just do it right now. Okay. So then after that, then baptism. How long does it take to get baptized, Caleb? I don't know. Sometimes I think they should hold them under the water long enough to give them a good scare. <laughs> but I mean, again, usually right? Five seconds, five, three seconds. seconds. Okay. Right. How long does it take to, and I'm going to quote, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you? The rest of your life. The rest of your life. Okay. Yeah. So this is the problem. And I'm going to say this just because I want people to, I want people to understand this. You need to be saved and you need to get baptized in order to be able to understand the Bible. Now, that statement is not popular, but you only come to that conclusion if, like me, you believe not only that God wrote the book, but that he wrote it the way he did on purpose. Meaning, when Jesus spoke and gave us those three commands in order, he did it for a reason. And if we're not saved, well, far too many people don't understand, you don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. God himself is not in you. And, and what are the jobs of the Holy Spirit for the Christian? Read John chapters 14, 15, and 16, the Gospel of John. It gives the instructions of the Holy Spirit and, and his job in the believer. It is to guide us in all things. That includes our Bible reading.
So you got to get saved. You got to get baptized. And then now you are ready to learn this book, which is not going to happen in in a weekend. Like Caleb said, it's going to take the rest of your life. I am a firm believer in that. And I'm going to go one further. If you find Christians that are struggling with understanding the Bible and they are struggling with their Christian life and they're struggling seeming to be able to get ahead and and get close to God and 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 take the next step, I always go back one step. And Caleb, if you find those people and you say, "Hey, tell me about when you get you got baptized." and and they they're like, "Well, I never got baptized." You're like, "Well, there we go." That makes a lot of sense. Right. And sometimes you got to say, okay, well, that's okay. We can get you baptized. Tell me about when you got saved. And they're like, well, what's that? <laughs> See, and then all of right. a sudden, now we now we know what the problem is. You're not. Then you understand- have to explain to them <laughs> yeah. that you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian by birth. It's you, not. You got it. It's not a. It's not a genetic thing. Your parents being Christian yeah. doesn't count. Yeah, it does. It doesn't get transferred to you in your DNA. Okay, and and it doesn't come with church membership. You, you need to understand you're a sinner and that you're on your way to hell and that God made a way for your sins to be forgiven and God came down in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, and God was able to die for your sins and take the place of that penalty that you deserved. Okay, so long story short, we have to, we have to be saved and we have to be baptized. Otherwise, we're going to struggle with learning the Bible. Caleb, go ahead. Tell me what you think. Well, that's uh, that's a interesting conclusion you come to, and I should have pulled the pulled some scriptures up to, to back this up. But there is this isn't just a Patrick uh, Patrick Hayes idea here of the idea that the Holy Spirit is given to us to lead us and guide us into truth. This is a biblical concept. So uh, I think I think that you can't go wrong reading the Bible, whether you're saved or unsaved, whether you're um, being led by the spirit or not and truth Free. is truth and that can stand on on its own and and sometimes the the uh i've known of of people that were atheists that read the bible for years and god used that to finally bring them to him so that being said there is no there's no wrong time or wrong way to read the bible but there are certainly confusing things that will confuse you and um, not a, not having salvation in order would be one of the most confusing things in, as far as trying to live a good moral life and earn your way to heaven without putting your faith in Jesus as your Savior. So, uh, what 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 is your um, what is your answer to the people that are watching this that are laughing because we're talking about how you should read their Bible and they're thinking. I, I would just be doing good to read it at all in the first place. <laughs> you know, that's a great question, Caleb. So let me let me answer that. Folks, you have to understand that Caleb and I are coming from a place where we are trying to help Christians take the next steps. That's mostly what this podcast is for. We talk about controversial subjects. We talk about subjects you don't hear a lot in church. I've never thought about this podcast as being step one, two, and three for the Christian. And if you are not reading your Bible and praying daily, then 
you are a Christian in name only. Now, I'm not saying you're not saved. That has nothing to do with it. What I'm saying is being a Christian is being Christ-like. It's like doing what Jesus did, following in the footsteps of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. So we have to be reading our Bible daily. We have to be praying daily. These are not lofty concepts. This is 101. Once you get saved, once you get baptized, you need to pick that book up and you need to read. I don't know. I tell everyone, I'm like, look, you got to read three to six chapters a day. You do that, you're going to get through the Bible in a year. It's not going to be that hard. But you got to you got to move this thing along because the only way God speaks to you is when you read the Bible, when you pray, or when you listen to someone else who reads the Bible and prays. But that's usually how you're going to get it. Now, can you feel like you got direction from the Lord while you're listening to the radio or watching TV or, you know, in a conversation from who knows where? Sure. I, I, I get that. I understand God used a donkey. I understand all the different things that God can use, but you have to understand the two places that God set it up in order to be able to uh, give instruction regularly is reading the Bible and praying. So how about this, Caleb? Could it be that some people aren't reading the Bible because they're intimidated and they don't really know where to start? Now, I mean, granted, that's an excuse. I didn't know where to start, so I just started at the beginning and I read all the way through to the end, and that was with no training because that's what I did with every book. So it's not like I'm, you know, I'm trying to give anyone a pass, but at the same time, I'm trying to not be too mean. And, and you know, that's the reason that we're, we're here is to try to help. Well, that's right. Well, that's the whole reason I brought it up it, it, toward the beginning of the podcast is because there's all kinds of different things that we can dive into uh, personal ideas on this, on this topic. But really the idea, I don't think, I don't think there, like I said, I don't really think that there's a right or wrong way to read mm -hmm. it. The, the, the worst way to read the Bible is not to read yep. it. So just read it. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously there's, there's ways to, ways to learn how to understand things in scripture and different ways you can study it. But I, I would say if you're on here listening, take a deep breath and relax and realize that you're a couple of normal guys that, uh, that, <laughs> that are going to, we're going to give you some, give some ideas here, but Correct. I have, uh, I think, well, I'll, I'll, I shouldn't speak to this too much because I'll let you speak into it, but sure. Patrick and I are probably a little bit different. He always, I've always been impressed by Patrick in that he always carried a actual physical Bible with him. And I really think that that's, uh, it's kind of a lost art. Still do. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm the guy that goes to church and I don't is, look at the screen. Right. And so I've I've always thought that was pretty cool, and I'm kind of on the other side of the spectrum. I, I am uh, I tend to be a bit sentimental about old uh, old style things, and 
uh, like for instance, I can't stand electronic instruments, mm -hmm. electric guitars, electric mm -hmm. pianos, get them, fake music. Mm -hmm. I hate that kind of stuff. To me, I've I like real instruments that have real strings and you know old old fashioned stuff. I like real books. I actually would I think it would be cool to have an actual scroll rather than a book, <laughs> just because I <laughs> I kind of tend to be I tend to be a little bit old school with some of that. However, I have found I found early on that technology is is so advanced for for this stuff that i my scripture intake by by leveraging technology i i think i probably get a good eight to ten times more scripture intake now than i used to when i strip strictly read from the bible and so oftentimes i'm the guy that shows up to church with a uh I guess we got somebody commenting, blowing up the comments. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm the guy that usually shows up to, to uh, church and I have pocket eSword pulled up on my phone. I started using eSword on a, on a computer in, uh, I don't know what it was, probably 2099, 2000, somewhere in there. Yeah, the first laptop that I ever got, I, a missionary friend of mine told me about eSword, and I started using that. That's the only Bible app that I hardly ever use. Sometimes I'll use um, other apps, but usually I use that as my Bible app. So before we get too hard on people, there's I'm sure there's people on here that, that maybe don't even own a Bible. Oh, and I think that I think that we should talk to that a little bit because there's, there's a, there is a, something that's, I think, a benefit to the technology, but it's also can be a danger of the technology to get people away from ever dusting off their Bible and reading it. Mm -hmm. I think you should do both. I'm actually in the process of, of making a handwritten Bible to pass down to my children because I want them to have a tangible Bible that was written by their dad that they can open up and uh, and read. But yeah, uh, adding anything me, to that? I, I no, I've had to. There's a couple of times where it got uncomfortable. I was like, uh -huh. man, and then I went ahead and wrote it anyways. I was like, you know what? This is this is still going to be God's book, not mine. So I went ahead and wrote it, even though I didn't like it. Um, so so far, I think I've been true to the text. So I am a big fan of the old black book and i'll tell you one of the one of the reasons caleb if you turn oh boy i got some crunched up pages here if you turn to just about anywhere in my bible whether it's a you know i don't know popular place or unpopular place okay what you find is that you'll see writings in the margin you'll see stuff that's highlighted you'll see stuff that's underlined i mean this is this, i just flipped open a second kings okay you know that I have put effort into this, okay, to make sure that's Leviticus, if you can believe it. When I come across stuff in the Bible, I write down a note of another verse that I want to turn to, and I highlight the things that are important, and it helps me to look it up when I need to. And, and keep in mind, I'm a preacher, so I, you know, teach the Bible and preach messages. So these things help a lot in those cases. But I think far too many Christians don't understand that every single one of us is called to teach and preach the Bible. Some people do it in an organized fashion, like once a week at a home church or a, you know, a regular, you know, building with a steeple and a bell. But at the end of the day, we're Christians and our job is to bring this thing to the whole world. And we can't really do it if we don't have one and if we can't teach the people what we've learned. So I'm a big fan of a 
of, of an actual Bible. I also keep a lot of notes in a little notebook when I'm reading the Bible. And this helps me to remember all these things. I would suggest to anybody to get an actual hard copy of the book. Now, with that being said, my favorite Bible teacher of all time who has passed on, he's no longer with us, he was never a he was never a uh, pastor of a church. He only got into ministry. He, he always did it as a hobby, just something he loved to do. And it was only later in his life that he ended up stopping his professional career so that he could teach the Bible full time. And this was a guy that was spent most of his days in corporate boardrooms for various companies. And he had on when he got a smartphone, he had a Bible and he kept five bookmarks in that Bible. And anytime he was going to sit in a waiting area for 15 or 20 minutes, he would go to one of those spots in the Bible and he'd move that bookmark ahead one chapter. So he'd read a chapter in different places of the Bible and he just continued to do that through his life. And he put away a lot of Bible because he had a lot of time to do that. And it made sense for him. And it wasn't going to be practical for him to, to bring a book with him to work. Now, the fact is, most of us are not going to bring a book with us to work. And we're also not going to have the time to read much throughout the day. Who we are talking to are going to be the majority of human beings on earth who are going to be people who go to work and work eight to 10 to 12 hours a day. And really you only get to do this a little bit in the morning or in the evening and that's it. And then the weekends you have to yourself and you can put some more Bible away if you like, but we're, we're talking to just normal people who are usually going to leave their Bible at home on their bedstand, you know, or in their study or in their office and they're going to get together with it and read it a little bit in the morning or in the evening or both or what have you. So I am a big fan of the actual book. I totally understand the electronic idea. It's not like I'm against it. I'm just saying, you know, having an actual book that you write and you take notes in, like Caleb's writing his own handwritten Bible that he's going to pass down to his kids. My kids, they, I have six of them. They all get to fight over this one. And I've had this one for years and years. And all of dad's notes are in this one Bible. So if you ever want to know what Patrick thinks and believes about things, just get a hold of my Bible and read through it. It's written out, you know, and it's pretty clear. So that's my feeling on paper versus electronic. Now, I think everyone should be bringing a paper Bible to church for crying out loud. I am so sick of look up at the screen and read the verse. Nobody even knows if that verse is actually in the Bible because no one looks. The pastor could be pulling right. the wool over your eyes. And then it's the same thing. We're going to sing this song. Everyone look to the screen. I hate that stuff. For me, my whole thing is let's uh Let's go back to having a book in our hands, singing out a book, you know, on a Sunday morning. That's really what I want to do. And I know that's not popular and you're, I don't know if that idea is going to, you know, get off the ground, but that is what I think would be the, you know, a good well, thing for us. It is the Bible. Yeah. Podcast. How do you hit someone with your phone? I, I, and they don't know that they're being Bible thumped. <laughs> so, you know, that... <laughs> I, I I definitely expected you to be a by the book kind sure. of guy on this episode, 
Well, here is here is what I what I say will say to that. And I've recently uh, I thought about this because I love the Bible and I put a lot of effort into wanting my children to know the Bible. But oftentimes I'm the guy that shows up to church without my Bible. Yeah. Oftentimes, all I when it, whenever we go to turn to a, a verse in the Bible, um, boop, I'm boop. on my phone. <laughs> You're scrolling. I'm on my phone in my in my Bible app. Yeah. And and so my children, honestly, are probably going to look back and remember. Oh yeah, Dad was always messing with his phone in church. Mm-hmm. They didn't even see their dad taking a Bible to church with them. And so, of course, it's something that I'm like, you know what? I need to do better with this. But for me, actually, the biggest the biggest gain for me with technology, with the Bible, and I think that we we can utilize technology in, in positive ways or in negative ways. I used to read a lot of books. I had more mm-hmm. time on my hands. I actually have more time on my hands now than I did a couple of years ago. But uh, for a while, I didn't have, I didn't have a ton of uh, time on my hands. I was pretty busy working. And I found that listening to audio Bible, I could take in sometimes, you know, a couple of hours of scripture during the day while I was working. That, And that's oftentimes times that I would have had either music playing over radio or earbuds in where I would have been listening to music. And music is great, mm-hmm. but it's oftentimes you tone it out after a while. And I enjoy listening to audio books and I my number one audiobook is the Bible. I've listened mm-hmm. to the to the Bible front to back five or six times. I've only read the Bible front to back two or three times um, in chronological order. So that to me, I've, I, I will say that oftentimes if you're working and you're focused on other things, some of it does seem to go over your head. A lot of times I'm driving. Uh, right now I listen to at least three or four hours a week of audio Bible while I'm driving. Mm-hmm. And some of t- usually when I'm driving, I'm able to focus on it pretty good. But the, the cool thing about it is the more that you take in, and this is what I think is so cool about this technology, is the more that you take in, in the evening when I'm at home and when I'm reading my Bible, I'm like, wait, I heard this earlier. Or, or there's things that you'll take in and it's like, I, I'm not sure if I, if I understood that correctly or I want to go back and look at that or read that. That's a cool concept. And so then I'll go back and I'll read stuff and I'll make notes and it gives me things that I'm intrigued to, to read on. So I just wanted to say, you know, for those that are uh, millennials and that are more tech savvy and that don't actually, that are listening to this episode and maybe aren't using your, your hard Bible, like, like Patrick is going to recommend, don't feel guilty early on in the episode, realize, go, go buy yourself a Bible, but utilize the technology that you got in your hand for something better than PUBG or whatever gaming app <laughs> that you're doing on there. There's plenty of things that you can do on there and you can still have you can still have the Bible playing in the background. So yeah, and far too many people are playing those video games in church on Sunday morning and everyone thinks they're looking at their electronic Bible. Right, exactly. Okay, I want to go over how I started. Now, I am coming from a place where I was not in church at the time. I was not saved. I, you know, I just had a pocket-sized New Testament handed to me by a friend of mine who was in Campus Crusade for Christ, and he gave me a very ambiguous version of the gospel. I did not understand how to get saved, but I had always wanted to read the Bible, so I was glad to have this little book. It was one of those things where you hear about it a lot, and for me, I was always thinking, well, what the heck's in that book? You know, it just, it was a big book, and I was always curious, so I was like, this is great. I'm going to read through this. So I have the New Testament only. So I'm going to run through the New Testament, and I'm going to try to do this in like three minutes, 
and give you the basic idea, but I read the New Testament from beginning to end. That's the book of Matthew to the book of Revelation, and I just read through the whole thing. After I was done with that, then I went back and tackled the Old Testament. So I'm going to give you the very quick rundown, and then Caleb, when I'm done, jump in and let me know if I missed anything, and if I make any terrible mistakes as I'm going through this, don't be afraid to stop me. So as far as the New Testament goes, first four books are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are all the same story written by four different authors. Those were people that followed Jesus throughout his ministry and wrote down the events of his life. I'm not going to get any more detailed in that other than understand the first four books. They start at different times. Some start at his birth. Some start when he's an adult and teaching and his ministry starts. But all four Gospels go through his life. Then after that, you have the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts was written by Luke. So in the first four Gospels, Matthew wrote Matthew, Mark wrote Mark, Luke wrote Luke, and John wrote John. The guy Luke that wrote the Gospel of Luke also wrote the book of Acts. So understand that Acts is basically Luke part two. So he was a doctor and he wrote about the early church. So that's the first generation after Jesus ascends into heaven. And it goes for many years. I don't remember how many years it goes for, but my quick guess, which I guarantee is going to be wrong, is going to be somewhere uh, between the 20 to 30 year mark. And the reason we know that is because at 35 years after Jesus ascended, a very important thing happened in Jerusalem. It was destroyed. So we know that we didn't get up to 70 AD. Okay, so then in the book of Acts, you're going to find a new character by the name of Saul. He has his name changed to Paul with a P, and Paul is kind of one of the central figures in the New Testament. He goes on all these different missionary journeys where he travels and he comes to different cities and he gives the gospel and people get saved and they start a church. So then when you're reading through the remainder of the New Testament, a good portion of it is Paul writing a letter to that church that he helped start while he was on his missionary journeys. So you have the book, book number five is Romans. That's a letter from Paul to the Christians in Rome. Then you have 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Once again, Corinth was a city, and that was the letters that Paul wrote to Corinth. And you find out, especially in 1st Corinthians, that church was a mess. And that shows up pretty quick in those books. Then you have Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. The church at Galatia, the church at Ephesus, the church at Philippi, and the church at Colossae. Then you have 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. That was Paul writing letters to the churches in Thessalonica. And what you find is that all these churches, which are in different parts of the known world, which is mostly you know around the Mediterranean Sea and, and the Middle East, these churches had different problems because they came from different cultures. So Paul was addressing different things like, nope, don't do that, and you're supposed to do this, and this is how a church works. And so he runs through a lot. Then we have Paul writing the book of First and Second Timothy. Timothy was a gentleman that ended up being a pastor of one of these churches, and Timothy had a unique situation because I believe his mother was Jewish and his father was Greek, so kind of like 
Yeah, a lot of the Jews didn't like him, and a lot of the Greeks didn't like him because of that. So Timothy was kind of in a tough spot, but he was also a very young man who took over as a pastor of a church, and Paul has given him a lot of wisdom. Uh, Titus is a letter uh, that Paul writes to a gentleman named Titus. Philemon, uh, this is actually an interesting one, and Caleb, you need to correct me if I mess this up. Philemon was actually a slave that ran away from his master, and Paul is writing a letter explaining to him what he needs to do and how he needs to do it to go back to his master because he needs to be obedient and uh, the way that he is supposed to go and do that. Did I have that correct? It's been a while since I looked at the history. That's what I understand. Okay. So then after Philemon, we have the book of Hebrews. Now, this book is different, and and here's here's a reason why. So many Christians get tripped up on the book of Hebrews, and the reason is the, the book of Hebrews was written to the Jews, It was written to the Jews telling them about Jesus, who is the Messiah, and how they needed to get saved and and turn their life and their will over to Christ. Most of these books are written to Gentiles, not Jews. So Hebrews, when you read through it, you're like, man, this book is so wildly different from all the others. Well, yeah, because Paul is talking to the Jews and their customs and their mannerisms and the way they did everything was so different from the way the Gentiles did. So just understand that. Some things you're going to read in there and you're like, man, this really seems to contradict other things that I've read. It's because of who it was written to. And 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 there are answers to all of that, and we could help you with that. Okay, then we have the Epistle of James. Now, this one is uh, not Paul. James writes this book. And James here, this is not James, one of the 12 apostles. This is James, the brother of Christ. So yes, you heard that correctly. Jesus had brothers and sisters. It talks about that in the Gospels. You will get around to it. Then we have uh, 1 and 2 Peter. Those are letters written by the apostle Peter. Then you have 1, 2, and 3 John. Those are written by John, the same guy that wrote the Gospel of John, uh, the fourth book in the New Testament. And then you have the book of Jude, okay, written by Jude. That one's really interesting. And then you have the book of Revelation. So John, who wrote the Gospel of John and also 1, 2, and 3 John, he writes the book of Revelation. And what you need to understand is that the book of Revelation— takes place at the very end of John's life. He's an old man, and he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, and the Lord Jesus comes to him and gives him this vision and shows him what the end of the world is going to be like, and that is the book of Revelation, and John is writing it, and the Lord takes him up in the Spirit, and basically the way the book reads and and, and the way I believe it works is that the Lord took John away and essentially brought him to the future, to the end times, and showed him this is how these things are going to be laid out. And it's really interesting the way that John writes all of this and the way that he ends up you know, explaining uh, how the end times is going to work. So that is the New Testament in a nutshell. Caleb, give me your corrections or additions. No, that's that's interesting, and it's I've I've enjoyed going through and, and reading the the New Testament kind of in in chronological order, uh, because one one of the things that that I found is uh, oftentimes I've I've run into Christians that say they they're having a hard time finding time to read the Bible, or mm-hmm. they're they're 
they're struggling with getting into it. And maybe this kind of this, this overwhelming feeling of like, it's so big, where do I start? Where do I get into it? And when I do read it, it's so boring. And so oftentimes by talking to somebody, you can find out what their interests are. As a teenage boy, I, I spent very little time in the New Testament and I spent a ton of times in the a ton of time in the Old Testament. First uh, and Second Samuel have been worn out. I read that over and over again as a kid. Mm-hmm. I just loved reading about the uh, the wars. I, I loved reading Kings, and I I thought I thought this was just the most entertain entertaining thing at the time. Now I go back and I read it, and it's like okay, yeah, Dave, that was a cool story. You know, David is a little guy. You know, Goliath is a big guy. The little guy won. It's you know, it's it's obviously it's an intriguing story for children. But as as I've grown, there's been times where for me that story was not near nearly as interesting. And so sometimes I like the idea of of reading reading through the New Testament and and reading through it in chronological order or just reading through it front to back. Um, but oftentimes it's interesting to to kind of look at an overview and what I like about what you just mentioned is looking at an overview of, of really what what do these books contain and there's times where in my life I'm really more interested in studying on on you know some of the practical the practical sides of how I'm going to apply New Testament Christianity beliefs into my daily walk with God and so going to a book like Philemon or Hebrews or something like that is going to be very interesting. There's times then where I'm digging more into church history or I'm, or I'm d- digging into, you know, the, uh, Jesus's lineage and, and I'm not going to have much interest in some of those books. So kind of having an, uh, an overarching understanding of what the, of what the, uh, the contents of what you're reading is always, it's always wise not to just jump in. If you're, if you're already bored with it, don't jump, jump into, uh, Deuteronomy. <laughs> Yeah, there's some, there's some things like that not to not to jump into if you're already bored with reading the Bible. Oftentimes, I, I have a conversation with somebody. I'm like, you know what? You really should go and read the Book of John. I think mm-hmm. that you would be very intrigued by that. Or or you should go and read James. Or you should go and read the Book of Judges or Ruth. You know, depending on where somebody's at. So there's some there's some people that are uh, they're dating and they're more in, interested in in love and romance. Well, you're not going to want they're not going to want to go and read Leviticus. Sure. They're probably not going to want to read the book of James. So what's your thought on that? Do you, do you find topical, uh, topical Bible study to be uh, something that you do much of or not? Okay. So I'm not going to answer that. And here's okay. why. Okay. I think we're getting off in the weeds for what the purpose of this podcast is because people, until you get familiar with the Bible, no one's going to know how to do a topical study on anything. Mm-hmm. People probably don't know what a concordance is in order to look stuff up is my point. So, okay, for me, honestly, mostly what I do is I study a book at a time. But that's Patrick who's been a Christian and a preacher for, you know, I don't know, over a dozen years. So, for me, I want to get really familiar with different books and understand the history behind it and what's going on and, and really be able to get the whole picture. So I do that a lot of times, but let me show you something. So I don't know how well this is going to come up on the screen, but if you look, that right there is the beginning of the book of Ephesians. Now, what you notice is that I 
wrote down in the margin that you find it in Acts chapter 18 verses 18 to whatever. And I wrote down some facts about Paul when he was in Ephesus. So we read that in the book of Acts chapter 18. So when you go through the book of Acts, you'll come to a chapter where Paul makes his way to Ephesus and you can, and and it's usually one chapter in the book of Acts, maybe a chapter and a half. And then he, you know, you read about the part where in the book of Acts, he makes his journey to Thessalonica. So for me, I highlight and underline and make notes so that when I'm going to the book of Ephesians, the best way to understand the book of Ephesians is to go back and flip through Acts and find the spot where Paul shows up there and what happened. And then all of a sudden it makes a lot more sense because some of these towns were very friendly to Christians coming in and and telling everybody about their God and what was going on. And others were absolutely hostile where they were just, you know, we're going to stone you to death and drag you out of the city and you know, spit on your grave because we hate what you're talking about. And when you get to read through the book of Acts, it helps with the rest of the Old Testament because you can understand, oh, Paul went to, you know, the the city of Galatia here, and this is what he ran into, and this is who he met, and this is what happened. And then when you read the book of Galatians and the letters that Paul wrote, it is a lot easier to, you know, kind of see what's going on. All right, we're going to change gears here, and now we're going to talk about the Old Testament. Because, Christian, I'm going to tell you that most folks you run into in America who call themselves a Christian are going to be ignorant of one thing, and that thing is called the Old Testament. It is sad how little people know about the Old Testament. It is sad how little people know about everything prior to Christ. And when you read through the Bible, what you find is that the Bible is greater than 80% Old Testament or quotes from the Old Testament. So the Old Testament is really the majority of the book. So you really need to have a good understanding of the Old Testament. Otherwise, you're not going to understand half of what Jesus is talking about in the New Testament. So to give you a synopsis of the Old Testament, which, keep in mind, is going through several thousand years of Earth's history, you have to understand a couple things. And I'm going to try to go through this off the top of my head. I'm not going to go through it book by book. I'm just going to give you the breakdown. In the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, the first book in the Old Testament, which is one of my all-time favorite books, and when you read it, I think it'll be one of your all-time favorite books. There are only a couple chapters that are a little dry and hard to get through, but there's some of that in every book you're going to read for the rest of your life. We start out with the creation. Then we go right up through to Noah and the flood. Then after Noah and the flood, we run into this guy named Abraham, and this starts off the whole thing. Abraham was the patriarch of the Jews. He was the father of the nation of Israel. All the Jews came from his family tree. 
Abraham has a son, Isaac. Isaac has a son, Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons, which become the 12 tribes of Israel. After Jacob dies, all of the Israelites, which, and really all of the 12 sons and their families, are down in Egypt. After a few generations, about 30 years, they end up becoming slaves. They end up staying slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And then there's a guy born by the name of Moses. And then what you find is that Moses leads the people out of Egypt. And this is a great story found in the second book, Exodus. And God does these miracles and he leads them out of Egypt. And then they're going to go to the promised land, which is present day Israel. And they run into some hiccups and it takes them a while. And you go through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy while they are wandering around in the desert because they messed up and they sinned. And God said, sorry, you can't get into the promised land until we uh, go through X, Y, and Z. Uh, so you're the next generation. They're going to get to go in because they're going to, um, because you guys were disobedient. So they get into the promised land and then you have the book of Joshua. Joshua is Moses's predecessor or successor. I should say not predecessor. So he is the leader of the nation of Israel afterward. They go in there, they kick the inhabitants out. They claim the land that God said they were going to have. And then you move right on into uh, the stories of the judges, and then you get into, like Caleb talked about, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and you have all these generations and what they do, and some obey God and some disobey God, and we find that God is talking to his people, and they're learning a lot about God, and, and we learn a lot about God and his character. And then they get kings involved, so now they have a king instead of a judge over them, and we, know, we learn about King David and his son Solomon, and we go all the way down through the kings, and then eh, I don't remember the exact time frame. But what happens is the nation of Israel is pretty disobedient and they get taken away captive. So they get taken away captive by the Babylonians. And for 70 years to the day, they are slaves in Babylon. And through that time period, you have the book of Ezekiel, you have the book of Daniel, and these guys are prophets. Now, this is where it starts to get a little confusing because you have a period of several hundred years where God sends a messenger to bring a message to his people and to, a, and to maybe the king of Israel or to, or to somebody to try to straighten stuff out, and these are prophets. So you have all these books you find toward the middle and end of the Old Testament, you have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, you have Daniel, and then you have, you get into the minor prophets and they're just, the books are just smaller. That's all it means that it's not based on importance. And you have Obadiah, Habakkuk, Joel, uh, Nathan, you have, um, sorry, Nathan was a, a prophet. He did not have a book, um, but we, <laughs> we find him written in, uh, um, First uh, Samuel, or, or sorry, Second Samuel. Anyway, I'm getting off into the weeds here. So you have all these prophets. The thing is, when you get into the books of the prophets, they're not chronological. These prophets were at different points throughout the books 
of first and second Samuel and first and second Kings. Those books are chronological. They tell a story. There's a beginning and an end, and they follow a timeline. They're historical books, and, and they're very interesting. They move. They're easy to read. But you have to understand there are prophets that are present during these periods of time. And those prophets we find later on in the Old Testament. So when you're, if you're just reading through the Old Testament chronologically, once you get through the book of First and Second Kings, it gets a little muddied and it's a little harder to follow along because all of a sudden it's no longer chronological and that makes it difficult for us to read. Now, I am going to put up a link in the comments and I think everyone should go to this link and take a look at this. This is a product you can buy online. Now, I don't make a penny off of this. This is another guy's ministry, but it's a guy that I very much respect. He's my favorite Bible teacher and his name is uh, Chuck Missler. He has since passed on, but he's a wonderful Bible teacher and he's he's very very helpful. So this guy put out a product called Learn the Bible in 24 Hours. It is literally 24 one-hour sessions that go through the entire Bible. And I suggest this to lots of people. It is super, super helpful. It is very entertaining. You can get just the audio. You can download the video. You can do it a million different ways. I've bought this. I've bought this for other people. It's a great learning tool. It's a great teaching tool. So if you can't find, if the link is not there because you're listening to us on Spotify or Google Play, go to K House. Just type in K-H-O-U-S-E into uh, Google, and it'll bring you to the Koinonia House, K-House. I think the website's khouse.org. I might be wrong. And look for, search in there for the 24-hour, um, go through the Bible in 24 hours. A teaching tool like that is a great and tremendous help just to explain to you some of the confusing parts about the Bible. And it's it's simply not knowing a little bit of the history and the timeline that, that we're dealing with when we're going through the Bible, because you can kind of get lost. The New Testament is easier. If you listen to my, whatever, five, six minute monologue explaining how the New Testament works, that's not hard to understand and wrap your brain around and read through. Whereas the Old Testament, it's a little bit tougher. So getting a teaching tool can be a great help. Here's another one. Christianity is supposed to be a mentor-mentee situation for Christians. Older, more experienced Christians are supposed to take younger, less experienced Christians by the hand and bring them through the Bible. And it is something that if you are the older, more experienced Christian, you understand the Bible, you need to be taking people through the Bible 
in a way where they can ask you questions and you can read it together or at least read the same portions and get together once a week and talk about it, study the Bible through uh, together somehow. You are supposed to be making disciples that can then turn and teach the Bible to somebody else. That's our job as Christians. And I don't know where in the church history that got lost. All of a sudden, we all think that, oh, uh, you know, if we all just show up on Sunday, we're going to hear from the pastor for one hour and we're going to learn the Bible. You're not. You are not going to learn the Bible one hour a week sitting in church. It just doesn't happen. Period. You will not learn the Bible getting on Bible Thumper and listening to me throw a fit like a child about some subject on the Bible for one hour a week. It's not going to happen. You need to be reading this book every day. You need to be studying it, and you need to have somebody that you can go to with your questions that you come up with and say, hey, I was totally lost when I read this. It doesn't make sense. It sounds like it contradicts something else. How does this work? How does that work? You absolutely <clears throat> have to have someone that you can go to and study the Bible with. And luckily for us, with technology the way it is, they don't even have to be in the same state or the same country. I mean, you can... <laughs> You can have a Christian buddy that you study the Bible with that can that can live halfway around the world. It's really not a problem. You know, it's really not a big deal. It's just one of those things where you got to get together with someone and have some level of, I don't want to say accountability, but you have to have someone that you can go to with your questions and your issues so that they can help you as you go through the Bible. So we have a few minutes left, and I got a couple questions. Okay, Clint is asking us a question about what separates prophets from the king of kings. So the way that it works, Clint, is <clears throat> it was supposed to work out where the nation of Israel had judges. Now, if you want to know what I'm talking about and what that means, it starts with Moses back in the book of Exodus. And when you read through that story, it's very interesting that the people come to Moses with a complaint or an issue. And it seems like when you read the Bible, it seems like Moses goes, okay, okay, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. And then he does this. Uh, hey, God, um, here's what's going on. And he talks right to God, and then God talks to him. And then he turns back to the people and he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. That is what it seems like. Throughout the book of Judges, there were many judges that acted the same exact way. That they were the person that had this special direct access to God that nobody else had. And they would come and talk to the judge, and the judge would talk to God, and he'd get the answers, and he'd give them to the people. He was like the mouthpiece for God on earth. It was as if um, he was the, um, oh, what's the position in other countries that people get? Uh, he was the ambassador for God. He represented God on earth. He didn't have God's power. He didn't have God's intelligence, or he didn't have, he didn't get to make up what he wanted, but he could speak for God and had direct access to God. And you find there were some bad judges and God dealt with them very harshly. And there were plenty of good judges. So 
So that was the way it was supposed to work. Then the people came and they said, nope, nope, that, 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 we don't want judges anymore. We want a king. So then at that point, God switches over and he says, okay, you want a king? Fine. Here's your king. And he was a train wreck. And almost all of them were train wrecks. So then what we have are prophets. God switches over the model from the judges over to the prophets. And now God sends a prophet for a period of time or for a special message to talk to a certain person or a group of people to give direction or or orders from God. And that prophet is not in charge of anything. The prophet doesn't run anything. They're not the head of any government. They're not they're not all from this one special school like the Jedi's were in the Star Wars movies. Okay. The the prophets are just people that God picked and said, okay, you're going to do a job for me. And sometimes these people went to the nation of Israel. Sometimes they went to a specific king. Sometimes they went to a pagan nation and told them what for. But the prophet was a special messenger from God. He might be used for a long number of years. He might be used for only a few brief messages. But either way, it was God speaking through this man. Now, the other interesting thing is when a prophet came, if the prophet said, thus saith the Lord, if he made up what followed, if he spoke his own mind instead of what God said, what was the penalty, Caleb? Death. <laughs> it was a capital crime. So these prophets didn't, they took it seriously because there are plenty of prophets that just poof, fire came down from heaven and they turned into a crater and smoke, you know, dust and ashes because they did not do what God said. So they took it very seriously. But what you got to remember is that is the way that God dealt with people in the Old Testament. After that, post-Jesus, we don't have prophets in the same way. Now, there still are prophets, and the Bible talks about that, but prophets had two roles in the Old Testament. They were a direct mouthpiece of God, and number two, they would preach the Word of God. So when you have a preacher preaching the word of God, we could accurately call them a prophet. Now, they're not giving us a futuristic prophecy. They're not telling us what's going to happen uh, later on down the road in the future. Okay, They are simply declaring the word of God to be true, and that's what's supposed to happen You know, every Sunday morning or Saturday, you know, however you worship. Uh, every time you meet corporately to worship uh, the Lord, you and the group of people are supposed to hear the word of God declared, and that is um, someone who could take on, if you will, the name of the name of or the title of the prophet. But now each of us have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. If big, if you are saved, then God lives inside of you and you have direct access to God. You don't have to ask the prophet. You don't have to go to the judge. You can go boom directly to God. And that's the amazing thing about uh, the New Testament Christianity. When Jesus died, he said, it is finished. Okay, there's no more work to be done. And the temple, the the veil that separated the holiest of holies was rent in two, torn from the top to the bottom. We all now have direct access to God. If half of what I just said in the last 30 seconds doesn't make sense to you, you're not reading your Old Testament. 
Uh, for those of you that understood what I just said, you've been through the first five books of the Bible, so you have an idea about uh, what I'm talking about. Okay, Caleb, you were gone for like, I don't know, 15 minutes. If you can believe it, I, I, I talked the whole time, but please jump in with whatever your thoughts are now. Well, I actually got most of it with the exception of when I was trying to fix my camera. Okay. Um, actually, apparently I got a faulty battery charger. I swapped batteries and I don't know, I'm not sure what's going on, but got to upgrade my camera system. Anyways, um, one of the things that I was noticing while I was listening to you talk, which by the way, I have to say you're, you are, I've told you this before, but you're a great Bible teacher. And it's always fun to listen to you talk about it because I, I sense from you that you have read the Bible because you enjoy reading the Bible. It's not something that you just uh, do because you have to do it. You actually sure. have found ways to read the Bible because you want to read the Bible. And I don't remember where I was at whenever we got cut off. But one of my uh, questions for you or mm -hmm. one of the things that I've that I've had people pose a question to me of how, how do you keep inspired to read the Bible or they will make general statements to me of, Oh, I just find the Bible to be so boring. And I'll ask, well, which parts do you find boring mm -hmm. or which parts do you like to read? And oftentimes, and this isn't, I'm not trying to say this in a patronizing or demeaning way. Oftentimes they've not d dove into it enough. To, they've been very dismissive of it and they've not been in the book to find their way around it and, and really learn what parts they, that they enjoy reading. Um, but one of the things that I was was mentioning earlier is is I, 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 I've always told people don't read the Bible because you have to. Obviously, you could do it that way, but then it's just another chore. Do it because you want to. Really, when we're doing this isn't like your salvation is hinging on you reading your Bible perfectly mm -hmm. or three hours a day or 20 minutes a day. Somebody, somebody asked me one time, how, much, how many chapters do you think I should read a day? Mm -hmm. I was like, well, do you want to read any? Yeah, because it's a good question. If, if you don't want to read any, then read one verse yeah. and get it over with. Yeah, because you're going to just be there laboring over. I, I would still recommend get at least a chapter a day and if you can or two or three. But the thing is, is once you get into it, I, I sense from you that you've found things that you're interested in studying. And it, it, this is one of the things that I think that a lot of Bible teachers get wrong and a lot of church inst as an institution can get wrong is much like the public school system when you send your when you send your kid off to public school everybody shows up to school and it doesn't matter what their interest is for one hour we're all working on this particular topic mm -hmm. and we're going to learn at the slowest rate possible uh, because everybody has to keep up with johnny who is the slowest in the class on this mm -hmm. this topic and so oftentimes I feel like that when I'm at church and this isn't, this isn't putting church down. I love going to church, but what you what you mentioned that learning from the Bible in church, oftentimes it's put into very simplistic terms to where everybody can understand, even if they have a very minimal doctrinal understanding of, of what's being taught on, they'll go over painstaking, you know, mm -hmm. uh, very inefficient ways of, of, of explaining a scripture. Whereas if you, if you dive into a topic because you're interested in it, I have friends that are interested in, in politics, but they're not very much interested in Christianity. They're Christians, but they're, I, I sense that they're more interested in politics. There's mm -hmm. a ton in the Bible that is very interesting with that. And so once you start, uh, once you start diving into a topic, like say, uh, I have a friend that's very much concerned with abortion and was telling me that, that she has a hard time reading her Bible that much. And I was like, well, how could you, um, you know, 
what if you just start off on abortion? I guarantee, you know, once you start diving into this in the Bible, it's something you're passionate about. She's actually into apologetics for ab abortion. And of course, I'm into Christian apologetics. And so mm -hmm. we were discussing this at a, at a uh, pro-life rally at one point. And I said, I guarantee as you start just studying abortion in the Bible, you're going to find yourself falling in love with other aspects. So as I'm reading through the Bible, I stumble across things that I love and I dive into it. And maybe I'm a little bit more of a... Um, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder or something like that. But I get into something and I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And so I start, you were mentioning about the prophets earlier. And that's mm -hmm. a very, very cool thing. I've spent, I've spent hundreds and hundreds of hours looking over prophecy. And once you start doing it, it's just amazing how those prophecies come to life. And there's so many thousands of years packed into this book that it really, it's, to me, it's not a boring book once you start, once you start looking into it. So that would, that would be my recommendation is, is much like when I was homeschooled, my parents, they taught me by, depending on what my interest was, I, I became interested in music. I was interested in beekeeping. There was things that I was interested in and I was able to focus my, on the things that I was interested in. And I excelled because it was on my own initiative. So don't just do the, don't study the Bible because we're telling you to study it or because you go to church on Sunday and it's time to study the Bible, find things that you're interested in. And, and I believe that's part of how the spirit leads you and guides you through, through studying scripture. I, I feel like it can be a lot of fun. And of course, doing it with friends helps. But I've, I think for you, Patrick, would you say that more, more of your scripture has been because you were wanted to, or more of your scripture study has been because you were dedicated to it? You know, I, if you were to I've put a percentage I, on it. Yeah, I've never read the Bible because I had to. Sometimes I didn't enjoy what I was reading, uh, just right. because there, you know, there are some parts that I've read a million times, and I, I just feel like I know it all, which is not a great attitude to have. And other parts are a little more dry, and uh, other parts are really tough because I don't understand them. But for me. I read the Bible in the morning with my kids every day. And, you know, every day is not every day. Things come up where dad has to go to work early or one of the kids is sick, so he doesn't come down and read the Bible. Or I'm sick and I don't wake up early and read the Bible. But as a rule, we're up early every day and the family is, you know, around the dining room table and we're reading the Bible. Also, I don't have the kids that can't read. <laughs> read the Bible with us. But we do that every day, and I do it because I know it's good for me. I usually always feel good doing it, and it's kind of like jogging or doing push-ups. I feel good after I'm done with it. I'm not always real excited to do it, but I know it's good for me, and I do it anyhow, and I'm glad that I did it. Same with making my bed and brushing my teeth. So, so you feel that even your commitment to it is because you want to be committed to it. So the times that yes. where you're like, all right, it's time to read the Bible and I'm yep. doing this because this is the day, the time of the day that I set aside for it. You got it. It's still, you feel like when you're getting to that point, it's not like, oh, I got to read the Bible. It's like, I want to read the Bible yeah. or I, I want to get through this part of the Bible, even though it's, you know, it's yeah. just dealing with uh, history and, and lineage and I'm not retaining all these names, but I still want to mm -hmm. go ahead and read through it and get through it. Absolutely. So, Caleb, I think that there is a dirty little word that needs to be brought back in America across the board, but especially in churches. And that word is duty. It is my duty as a Christian to read that book. And I will do it because it is my duty and I am a man. Right. If it was easy 
they wouldn't call us men. And shame on you if you are a man listening to this podcast and you do not read your Bible every day. Why don't you try being a man for a while? It's So if I couldn't sweet talk you into getting interested in doing it, Patrick is going to yeah. bully you. Into I'm going to shame you and guilt you into reading your Bible because you are a joke of a Christian. Women and children are the ones that are supposed to be struggling with these things. We are the ones that are supposed to be doing it on our own and then also leading them. So we can't do that if we do not read the Bible on our own. You got a little echo there, Caleb, on the last minute. Just take a quick oh, that's look. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Nathan mentioned that I had an echo earlier. I'm not sure if it's... It sounded fine with me, but it, it did just come up for a second, but it seems to have been rectified. So <clears throat> along with that, I study the Bible in a couple different ways. Mostly, I study the Bible when I'm preparing for what I'm going to be teaching at our home church. I study the Bible when I'm at work and I'm listening to a Bible teacher teach through a book of the Bible, and then I study the Bible on the weekends when I have time to sit down and really pour in a couple of hours trying to get through a book so I can really understand it. Because, and I can't say it because it's my job, because it's not my job. I've never made a penny preaching the Bible, you know, I mean, I, I don't draw a salary from our little home church. I, I, you know, I've, I've so far got, revenue off the Bible thumper hasn't taken yeah, off. It hasn't it's, really it tends to be a, done a what we pit. were hoping for. Yeah. Uh, it costs us money to, uh, keep the podcast going, you know, every month. And on the times when I've traveled around the country in order to preach, I mean, Caleb, I had, I've traveled all over the state. And I rarely break even. I've traveled across the country to preach, and I rarely break even. And I hate to tell you, I mostly preach at pretty conservative Baptist churches, and guess what? They're all broke. Right. <laughs> you know, they just don't have the money. And maybe one day some, you know, really rich church in Hawaii will fly me out there and I'll get to be in a beautiful place and stay in a nice hotel and they give me a fat check when I leave, but I am not holding my breath. It's the problem is this is the big churches with the money. They don't really want the truth. Yeah, that I, exactly. They didn't get big by telling everyone the yeah, truth. I'll, I'll look up Joel Bible. Osteen's number. <laughs> yeah. See if he wants to have you out there as a guest preacher next yeah. week. Yeah. You can forward our a link to this podcast. Good luck. So no. So, uh, you know, I, um, I enjoy getting into it. I, and Caleb, can I, can I be totally honest here? And this, again, this is going to burn for somebody before I became a Christian. I would talk to Christians often and keep in mind, I was an atheist and I was a little bit of a pain in the neck, but I did have a lot of serious questions and you want to know how many of those questions I got answers to. 
none of them. You're you're surprised by how zero. how how little most Christians. But zero. When you go to church and you you strike out conversations with people, oftentimes I am surprised by how many people have no idea where they stand, and it's not because they don't want to. They don't. Their 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 answer is usually, I want to stand with my church on this, or I'm just going to. Yeah. You know, well, I'm a I'm a Baptist, or I'm a Methodist, sure. or I'm just going to fall into some denominational yeah, the party belief line. system. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's not like they read it and formed an opinion. And it's not that they wouldn't have an opinion, but if you don't know what, you know, if you don't know the scripture, then it obviously. Yeah. You just default so, to whatever this the group is, believes. Right. So this is the neat thing about it. So I, uh, Nathan asked a question. So Nathan comes to church with us uh-huh. now. He's been visiting for a while and he's, I guess, 16, 15, 16 years old. And uh, I think that he, his family is Catholic. So he's, most uh-huh. of his church time has been in Catholic church. Oh, but he, okay. he asked Does a question. He that, that I was raised Catholic. I'm, I'm sure he does. If he's, if he's okay. watching, if he's watching. So anyways, if um, he, he mentioned a, a question here of besides notes, how is another way you can help remember all of this? Well, this is, this is one of the fun things that I have enjoyed about listening to Bible teacher, going Bible teachings, um, reading the Bible, going to uh, co- conferences is I have, I've learned to be content with the fact that I'm I'm a student of the Bible, and it's okay that I don't retain 100% of everything that mm-hmm. I take in. I'm going to be a student of the Bible from now until the day I die, and I'm still not going to have it all. There's yep. going to be things that I don't know now. There's hopefully I, I continue to learn, but there's a lot that I don't that I don't get now, and that's fine. That the idea of the Bible says to study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, and and sometimes you know sometimes as you as you're going through this kind of a thing, there isn't really um, how would I put it. I enjoy knowing what I know, mm-hmm. but I also enjoy the fact that there is so much more to learn about God, and there's so much more to learn about history, and there's so much more to learn about the Bible, that there's always, I don't feel like I'm just going to run out and be like, uh, of, of course there's some things that I know. Mm-hmm. And and I, I sometimes I may may come across as a know-it-all, but I, I enjoy, the reason I love studying the Bible is because there I know there's so much more that I need to learn that I want to learn, and it's it's almost like it's almost an information overload. There is so much about Christianity, there's so much about doctrine that's written outside of Scripture that you know di- different churches believe, uh, which is actually scary when you when you get into some of that, it gets a little bit scary. But um, there's so much to study that. I say wherever your interest is, you know, jump in somewhere and you don't have to retain 100% of everything you take in. I, yeah. I feel like I'm about usually about 30% efficient. When I'm studying a topic, about 30% of what I, what I study and take in, I, I remember the other 60, 70%, you know, I forget it. And that's the, that's the reason that you got to keep immersing yourself in the word of God. I, I've, I love it when I see people at church taking notes. A lot of ladies are better mm-hmm. about this. You know, oh, they yeah. sit there and the, they got their little notepad and they're taking their notes. And I always think, I think it's cute. I think it's adorable sometimes. And I think I should be doing more of it sometimes. But the thing that it, that is very interesting about studying the Bible to me is that a lot of what I learn and what I come to, and this is what you mentioned earlier about the Holy Spirit. When I read the Bible, oftentimes it goes in one ear and out the other. Mm-hmm. And then later, I, it's when a situation that arises, and the Holy Spirit brings that back to 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 your to your memory, and you you're like, oh, there's a Bible verse. This is what I believe. Or or and and so sometimes it's not even when you're reading it. You read it, and you don't realize how this is going to apply till later on after the fact. So to me, immersing yourself in God's Word, you're you're learning stuff that you don't even realize that you're going to need 
And, and that's why the Bible says to be prepared to give it an answer for the, the hope that lies within you in season or out of season. So I think that, I think that any Bible is, is, is amazing. So you're, you're saying that it's a duty. Uh, that's, that is a scriptural thing. I don't know how much your duty is to, mm -hmm. you know, if, if a chapter a day counts or three chapters a day counts, but yeah. an, a, an honest effort to put into it. I, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, number one, understand that duty is one of the reasons that I would read the Bible every day. Uh, we would do as a family a chapter a day. And if you think about it, you're doing a chapter a day, you're going to get through a lot of books pretty quick. It, that means that you're going to get through the book of Matthew in one month. That means that you're going to get through Genesis and Exodus in just barely over two months. You're going to get through the Bible pretty quick and have your family have a good understanding of lots of parts of the Bible pretty fast if you can consistently do a chapter a day. The second reason that I read and study the Bible is the point that I was getting to. Lots of Christians didn't have any answers for me before I got saved. Guess how many Christians had answers for me after I got saved? Very few. Yeah, it was it was almost the same average. I barely ran into a Christian that could answer a question of mine. And I had some really big questions because I came from a secular background, went to a state college, believed in the theory of evolution, had all these issues that that didn't line up with the Bible. And I said, well, how does this all work? And no one had an answer. And then one guy challenged me and said, Patrick, pray about it. You got to pray about it. I don't know the answers. I've never looked into it. I never cared. I just believe that God made it all. I didn't have an issue with this. He said, but there are people that know the answers. And I prayed, and it wasn't more than a week or two later that God brought me some wonderful men that had ministries specifically tailored to the creation evolution debate. And Caleb, I had not only every question that I had in my mind answered, I had a million more questions that I never even thought to bring up answered. And it was at that time <clears throat> that I really uh, turned to God and I said, okay, God, here's the deal. I am not going to be one of those ignorant Christians that doesn't have an answer for anything. I said, I refuse. And you want, and Caleb, this is no joke. I, I told, while I was talking to God that day and praying, I said, you know what, God, you've got enough of those. You don't need one more. I said, I am going to learn the Bible. I'm going to have answers to these things, and I'm going to take it serious. And Nathan, you asked the question, besides notes, how is another way you can help remember all of this? Nathan, I'm going to say something that sounds like bragging because it is. I have one of the greatest memories I've run into that is not a photographic memory, and I never had it until I made that deal with God and said, I am not going to be an ignorant Christian. I am going to learn the Bible. I am going to know these things. And God said, great, here you go. And God gave me a gift to be able to retain the Bible that has been such a blessing to me and hopefully to somebody else. I mean, I, you know, I hope that somebody's been able to be blessed by, you know, my retention rate when I, when I read the Bible. But um, I thank God uh, that he has given me that ability because I haven't found much of a use for it outside of the Bible. And to be honest with you, I don't find that I have the same memory on other subjects outside of the Bible that I do with the Bible. It's, it's something that just works and it sticks. And I'm going to tell you another one. If you want a trick, the, the trick is easy. And this, this is the way that they train uh, doctors and they train surgeons. Okay. You learn it, you do it, you teach it. 
and then it sticks forever. And I tell everybody, I'm like, look, when you study the Bible, you have to you have to learn what it says, you have to do what it says, and then you have to teach others what it says. And if you go through that process, it will stick in your brain forever. It really helps. But if you're not learning it and then doing it and then teaching it, it's a lot harder to retain these things. So that's the reason Caleb can't remember anything. He only reads about it. He doesn't change his life in any way and do it. And then we all know how, what a lousy teacher he is. He barely gets a word in here. So so I would suggest doing that. That'll that'll help you a little bit. Oh, appreciate the encouragement, Patrick, as always. Yeah. yeah, I love you. And it should show in these podcasts. Okay, well, so with I that, think I think we pretty well covered the topic. We talked um, about it. We we got in an yeah. hour and a half, if nothing else. So, yeah, I've I uh, I would say that if if you could if you could leave somebody with one one word of of advice for for their life as a Christian, it would be I mean, as a born again believer it would be read your Bible. I mean, there's oh, nothing man. more important as, as a believer yeah. than to, than to immerse yourself in his word. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's uh by the Patrick, the Bible thumper is thumping your Bible saying it's your duty and you're a joke. If you don't do it, that's exactly what I'm saying. Well, I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to, whenever I do some promo videos for our podcast, I'm going to clip that out. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll make some great ad material for Facebook. Yeah. I, I was How hoping you were going to point right you? in the yeah. camera. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we could film those special if you need it. My my um, my younger sister, she's actually here visiting from Colorado right now, but she impressed me during her, I would say it was probably her 16 to 19 year, year age range. She was mm -hmm. extremely committed to Bible reading and mm -hmm. she did Bible reading plans with other people. Mm -hmm. And I tried to get on, on it with her a couple of times. And that was my experience with, I would make it for a few months of mm -hmm. keeping on track. And as soon as I got behind, I, I just feel this overwhelming feeling of guilt. I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm never going to be able to be committed to reading the Bible like you. But yeah. when I quit trying to read it that way, I'm just bringing this up because different per people are different. And for me, I really find that if I immerse myself in the, in the things that I feel like God is teaching me or that I'm wanting to learn about God, that I find it to be, it's almost like an addiction. It's something you, you can't get away from. Sometimes... Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I should probably work more and, and read less or, or whatever, but uh, that's, that's a, that's a problem that I think that it really can't be understated. And I, I we bring it up often, you bring it up often here, you know, Christians mm -hmm. just don't know their Bibles. And that sounds like an arrogant thing for us to say, you know, at, at, for another Christian to be saying, Oh, well, I'm a Christian. I know my Bible and you don't, mm -hmm. but it is a fact that, that there is a lot of ignorance in, in Christianity. Yeah. I mean, I, I've I've experienced it. I've been the ignorant person. I still yep. am the ignorant person oftentimes. But I, I have run across people that I can tell have just de depended on, you know, their 15 minutes that they get worth of Bible or oftentimes five minutes worth of actual Bible in church mm -hmm. on Sunday morning. That doesn't yeah. cut it. You have a no. you have a, a a pastor. You mentioned that if you're a, a prophet, you're supposed to be just literally repeating God's words. Oh, Pastors yeah. nowadays spend... Well, most sermons are down to about 30 minutes now anyways, but if they got 30 minutes, they're going to spend like 28 minutes talking about their personal ideas and they're going to have yeah. two or three minutes worth of actual scripture reading. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, look, 
exhibit A, look at our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we sit on here and talk for a long time. Yeah, no And kidding. you don't get Bible. You don't go on the Bible Thumper, and we don't just read the Bible to you for an hour because nobody would tune in and listen to it. It's true. When Caleb or I start reading the Bible, and I mean, tonight, man, our numbers are pathetic. But when we have I a good night. You share hardly anywhere. Oh, really? No, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. When, when we have a good night and we have a lot of people, man, it is so funny because one of us will be like, okay, we need to explain this story to you. And we're like, we're going to read these six verses follow along with us we're here before we even turn to the portion of scripture and read the first verse our numbers just dive down to half i mean it is so pathetic and something else i i I should say um you don't have to feel like you need to know the bible as well as this person or that person or caleb or me or your pastor or your friend or your mom or whoever you just need to start learning the bible it's not a competition. No one should ever be hanging this over your head that, oh, I know this much and you know that much. I'm a, I'm a level 16, you know, Christian, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, it, that, that's not what it's about. It's just about getting a plan, working on it and moving in that direction. The, the worst thing you can ever do if you ever want to get into shape is go to a gym where there's a whole bunch of mirrors. And you walk in that gym and you start looking around you look at all these guys and you're like, holy cow, I am in the worst shape of anybody in this gym. And that discourages you. And then you, you decide you want to leave. Well, guess what? All those guys didn't get in shape. They weren't born that way. They got that way by just simply doing it again and again and again. And all of a sudden, two years later, they turned around and guess what? They lost a bunch of weight. They got in shape. They felt better. They slept better. Everything, you know, it was a good thing for them. And it's the same with the Christian. All you got to do is just make a plan. Say, okay, I'm just going to get up and read the Bible. And I'm going to do it again and again and again. And all of a sudden you turn around two years later and guess what? You know the Bible. And that's, <laughs> that's it. It's not, there's not a magical secret formula. You just got to start doing it. And all of a sudden it gets easier. And then, like I said, you turn around, you know it. Okay. I'm ready to say good night. How about you? Yeah. I thought I just had one quick idea. I thought I'd Jump throw out here at the end. Yeah. If you want to get, if you want to get some Bible in tonight, this is a good way to get started. You could, in the time that you listen to this podcast, you could have read five books of the Bible. There's five <laughs> books of the Bible that are one chapter each. Yeah. So I'm not, rather than me telling you which ones these are, as you thumb through to find these these uh, one chapter books in the Bible tonight before you go to bed, uh, maybe you'll you'll stumble across some other scripture as well. But there are, I think there's at least five five books of the Bible that are only one chapter. And there's plenty more that are only two or three chapters yeah. that you can read in a, in a hurry. And that's always, that always feels good to just be like, hey, I read the whole book tonight. You I know? read a book of the Bible tonight. Yeah. So anyways, all right. Well, uh, thanks, Patrick. I appreciate it. Sorry yeah. about my camera. No, that's fine. Good night, everybody. Check us out on Spotify and Google Play. Come back next Sunday night, 7 p.m. Uh, Rocky Mountain time. 8 p.m. Central, and we'll be talking about something else. All right. Have a good night.